RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. It is championship week, and the debate over the college football playoff is as hot as it's ever been. I'm Scott Seidenberg, alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. This is Rush the Field, the college football podcast for you college football diehard fans. And Chris, we are finally here, championship week. This is where the teams get to prove themselves and prove worthy to get into the college football playoff off. Yeah. And, you know, as I look at it, um, I think we're pretty much set uh, in terms of where this is headed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I it personally is we hear the uh, the mantra by the committee, uh, the the four best teams in my mind. Um, I think the four best teams are already established. Uh, yes. and, 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 and I think uh, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame and Georgia are the four best teams on film, which is a um, shame because Georgia has to play Alabama and. And if they lose, I mean, look, there's a chance that they could not be eliminated. We're going to get into that in a couple of minutes. But in all likelihood, they're eliminated. And it's a shame because I agree with you. I have them in my top four as the four, one of the four best teams in college football. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things about saying they're the, that they pick the four best is they can justify any way they want who they think is the four best. And for me, it's not real difficult. You can cut through well, who they played and this metric and that metric. The film really speaks to you mm-hmm. in my mind. I think Georgia is better than Oklahoma. I think they're better than Ohio State. Um, and, and I would say the same about Notre Dame, Clemson and Alabama. But I do think that if Georgia loses, uh, that it's certainly going to be an Oklahoma and Ohio State conversation because I think that the underlying tone behind the four best teams is they ideally would like to see of you know not two teams from one conference and mm-hmm. like to spread it around they'll, they'll never admit that's oh it's just four best and so but uh, we're down to six teams there's only six teams that have a chance and really we've got three teams for one spot essentially because I think Alabama is in whether they win or lose yes. it will just be a matter of seeding and listen I just uh, I, I can't sit here and make a case I know they've done it before that Pitt's going to even challenge Clemson Mm-hmm. And Notre Dame's already done. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's um it's gonna be about you know, three teams, uh, for, three teams for one spot. That That's pretty yeah, much and, where And we're really, at. Is, as I said, even though I think Georgia is one of the four best, mm-hmm. I don't think Georgia get the only way Georgia gets in is if is Oklahoma if and Ohio State both lose. And, and you're right, because and there was part of me that had the feeling that, OK, Georgia, if they lose to Alabama and Oklahoma and Ohio State lose, that Georgia could get in because at 11 and two, they're the best two loss team compared to Oklahoma and Ohio State and Michigan. However, yes. However, Chris, the committee is not going to do that because that would mean putting Georgia at number four to play against Alabama again, a game that we just saw in the SEC championship game. So I think that goes against them. But I want to lay this out here. The facts. This is what we know, and I tweeted this out, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Scott's on Air. Chris is at Landry Football. I tweeted this out on Tuesday evening. These are the facts. This is what we know for sure about the college football playoff. Alabama is in regardless of the outcome of the SEC championship game. It's either their number one with a win or their number four with a loss. Would you agree with that? 
I think there's a possibility, depending on the game, that could be a three. Yeah, I don't I don't think they necessarily go to four. Okay. I, I think Notre Dame could go to four. And, and let me just say this. Now, again, this is what they say and what they mean are two different things. They say they they will not seed the teams based upon the matchups. They're going to seed them as the four best. But I do think that if, um, if it were a scenario that Georgia were to uh, – were to beat Alabama, I think what you would see is you would see necessarily, you, you know, Georgia kind of being that cluster would end up playing Notre Dame and then Clemson and Alabama would play something of that nature. Well, that's I what I, that's would, what I thought. I, that's why I say Alabama goes in at number four because <clears throat> Clemson slides to number one and it will be Alabama versus Clemson, Notre Dame against Georgia. If Alabama I, I goes that, in I, at three, then you're what you're going to put Georgia at two and then you're going to have Alabama Georgia rematch. Well, and again, uh, I think I think it depends on how the games play out. But I do think I wouldn't say it automatically goes Alabama to four. But I think that to keep that separation, although they absolutely deny that, mm-hmm. I think that that would be something that would would likely to happen because I think you can play around with where the seating would be. I do think Clemson would go to one, um, and and I do think you can put you know potentially. Um, you know, even with Georgia winning, you can put Georgia in that that second and third spot, uh, and then put you know put Alabama four as you mentioned. But I also think you can look at a couple of different scenarios where uh, maybe it would be uh, keeping it separated. I don't think it would be a PR disaster if mm-hmm. Alabama and Georgia would play in the playoffs after just playing uh, in the conference championship yep. game. And mm-hmm. and you would not only have that, you'd have the people that would say, why does Alabama get another shot at Georgia when we just saw the outcome of the game? And exactly. why didn't uh, And you could treat you know, that but, as a quarterfinal matchup. Like, hey, we just saw yeah, it you and, know, and, lost. And, and, and again, but the, see, that's what everybody does this time of year. Everybody makes their own rules. <laughs> and there, there's not, you know, there, folks, there's no, it's, it's the four best, which to me, if it's the four best, it's the four best. And the way I look at it is Georgia plays Alabama this week. You think Oklahoma or Ohio State would fare well against Alabama this week if they had to play them? Nope. I mean, so my point is, is the fact that they're going to end up assuming for this conversation, Oklahoma and Ohio State win out uh, this weekend, uh, it, just because they've got one less loss, um, they don't get to they hadn't they didn't have to face Alabama. Georgia did. I, you know, again, if you're asking me who the four best, the films clearly says Georgia is one of those four. But I do think that Georgia either has to beat Alabama or if they lose to Alabama, Oklahoma, and Ohio State have to lose. I think that's the, you know, those are the two scenarios where they can get in. Otherwise, I think it's going to go to Oklahoma, Ohio State. And we'll get into that in a second mm-hmm. because I don't know that there's a good answer. To exactly. Decide, decide between those two. All right, let's continue with the facts. Clemson with a victory is in, and they're just going to be either the two seed if Alabama wins or the one seed if Alabama loses. There's no question there. Notre Dame is guaranteed a spot, and they're probably locked into that three range because of the conversation that you and I just had by not them. They wouldn't put Georgia or Alabama in at three and then Notre Dame down to four, and then you'd have Alabama Georgia rematch two versus three. So I think Notre Dame stays at three because uh, I think a Georgia win over Alabama makes them leapfrog Notre Dame and you put Georgia in at number two. 
Except, and this is where I'm saying, uh, okay, so let's just say for a second, Alabama beats Georgia. It's a good game. So Georgia's in. Okay, everybody would say, okay, Alabama-Georgia rematch if Oklahoma and Ohio State lose, of course. Mm-hmm. Then it's then that's where I could see them saying, well, you know, Georgia played a really good Alabama and put Georgia at three and Alabama and, and Notre Dame four. And then you got just to avoid Georgia, the Clemson two okay. and three. I, I mean, that's a possibility. I'm not. They, they're not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to rank them. Notre Dame has been clear, but I think depending upon how that Georgia Alabama game looks, uh, that'll determine how good they are and and the relevance of having it. But you know, I I, I say it again. What is their nightmare? <laughs> is, is is that Oklahoma? And Ohio State both lose, mm-hmm. and you know, beats Georgia. Then it's you know that Georgia is the only team left standing. You just said the two lost team. Clearly, I think would be the best team available. No yep. one else would be deserving. And he, let's say Alabama beats them decisively. Kind of hard to move Notre Dame or Clemson down to the four spot yeah, to face Alabama. The, you know what, Chris? So you kind of like that is yeah, the you kind of you got it. You kind of st- you know you're kind of stuck with Alabama being the best. You can't move them to two. Um, you know, in theory, Clemson blows out Pitt. Alabama, Georgia's close. Could you justify putting Clemson one and Alabama two to avoid it? I guess you could, but outside of that, I mean, that's a scenario where it could be. You know, again, Alabama, Georgia going up against one another, which is not going to be popular. Uh, but at that point, who really has an argument if Ohio State and Oklahoma loses? Yeah, you're right. And that is the nightmare scenario. If all three of them lose, that's the nightmare, because then you're staring in the face of the, the scenario that they don't want. Alabama, Georgia uh, again. And, and you mentioned both Oklahoma and Ohio State. How would they fare against Alabama this week? How would they fare against Alabama when Nick Saban has a month to prepare for him? <laughs> Wouldn't even no, not, it's not going to be. It, listen, it's not going to be pretty. And look, I think that. There's some things that offensively Oklahoma can do. And, and listen, I, I respect um, at least what they were able to do last week, Ohio State against Michigan. Um, and with time, you know, maybe they could keep it close. But we've seen blowouts in these playoffs. And I think with the month to prepare, it would be a blowout. Look, this is one of the, the flaws of the system that we're going to have. When you have four teams uh, or you two teams, whatever the case may be, it doesn't mean that you're going to have – what you'd call an equally good four. I mean, right now it looks like we got three and we really don't have a fourth and, but we got to pick a fourth. And so that's the choices right now. Uh, I think the, the, the cleaner, the cleanest thing for the committee would be Georgia upsetting Alabama yes. because there's no one, uh, you know, there are some people that would argue it just because they like to argue and they don't think, uh, again, they make their own rules and say, well, if you don't win your conference championship, you shouldn't get in and that type of stuff. But th- there's no doubt that Alabama is one of the four best teams and, you know, Clemson and Notre Dame would be deserving and Georgia by virtue of beating Alabama would be deserving. And to me, that would, you know, no way that anybody that is, is with any objectivity would look at it and say, nah, I think uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State deserves to be an over Alabama because a loss to Georgia would only prove one thing, that on that day, Georgia was better. Mm-hmm. It does not 
uh, indicate in any way, shape, or form that Oklahoma and Ohio State are even close to Alabama uh, this season, much less better than. So I think that's the cleanest one. I think I think the likelihood, though, is it's going to be a, a little controversial or a little bit um, mm-hmm. nerve-wracking for them because I think Alabama wins. I think Clemson certainly wins. And then they're going to have to decide, likely, if Oklahoma and Ohio State wins, uh, they're going to have to decide between one of them. Now, they may get lucky, and one may one win, lose, one may yeah. lose. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of fits in, and then it's, it's not a big deal because there would be clear separation with um, who's deserving and who's not deserving. Can we just make up our own rules like like we've been trying to do and let's just well, give everybody Alabama, else does chris let's give alabama <laughs> a bye and have clemson play notre dame and the winner takes on alabama and everyone's happy right <laughs> well and let, let me say this you know and i've, I've it's, it's a good point to bring something like this now they it's not a rule on this but i've always been a believer in this and and it's maybe is a good point maybe next week in future weeks we'll get into it in greater detail but what i've always believed i believe that college football misses the boat because it's a great weekend coming up conference championship weekend and then and and i know army navy's great but then then it just kind of goes away and then we have bowl games which again i watch but everyone else just kind of like yawns and everything everybody's attention goes to the nfl and all of a sudden they wake up and it's time to open presents for chris hey but you know a week january 1st got the big game we just the way we administrate college football is poor. And what I've said all along, yes, there are finals for semester schools in December. I get it. Uh, It's doable, folks. What I believe we should have, that's fine, have this week as normal. Then after this week, we should put the best teams in the best bowl games. Not, you know, I have no problem with the smaller bowl games having two, you know, eight and four teams or whatever. But I think we should have some of these matchups that we wonder how it would be. You just mentioned it. Let's take December and put really good bowl matchups all throughout December and then end up with January 1st bowl games. And then after the bowl game, January 1st on January 2nd or 3rd, if you need that extra day, then pick your four teams. Because all the arguments about this schedule, this, that schedule, that, you know, I believe in making the bowl season an extension of the regular season. If you did that, December for college football would be like March is for college basketball. Yeah, and it would so. be yeah. excitement upon excitement that can you imagine the money for like bowl games that um, for teams that would have a chance to kind of prove themselves a little bit. And it doesn't mean like a playoff where the winner advances. It's, you know, you, you, you have another chance to improve your resume in a bowl game against a really good team. So if you got a group of five team, that's maybe pretty good. That's won a couple of games against big power schools, or you've got a team that's maybe got two losses, but are really good. And maybe you're better because they, they, then, then a team with the, with one loss, because you know, they maybe played in a tougher conference, put those matchups in these bowl games and then pick the four after that. Now you got a really good apples to apples and orange to orange comparisons, pick the four after that. And then you have, you know, you have a couple of, you have the, you know, two weeks after you end up maybe one week later than you do now. Um, I, that's the way I've always felt it should be done. It would make the regular season extent the best regular season in all of sports. It would extend it. And then on top of that leads you to a more equitable way to determine who the four best teams are. 
It's not a bad thought, Chris. It's not out there. Real quick, you mentioned the group of five. I just want to say this before we get into the debate of Ohio State versus Oklahoma. UCF does not have any chance. We knew this weeks ago that they never had a chance to get into the college world playoff, but more so now with the loss of their quarterback, Mackenzie Milton, and we wish him the very best in the recovery from what was a horrific leg injury in that game. They might even lose to Memphis in this championship game in the American Conference, but that's besides the point. Without their quarterback, you see the way that the committee has treated them. They actually uh, went to number eight instead of being number seven and they would never get any consideration anyway, but without Mackenzie Millen, it's not even worth the breath, Chris. No, you're right. I think the only issue is now if they can't beat Memphis, so people make sure they understand the rule. They won't even they'll lose their New Year's six. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Uh, because you've got to be a conference champion. So if they lose to Memphis, then that um, that's going to go to the winner ball, of Boise and, and Fresno. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the winner of the Mountain West Conference. That's going to be the highest ranked conference champion, group of five conference champion. So they would absolutely lose that. Um so it would be very, very difficult, uh, a difficult end of the season. And um, I have a lot of respect for what Central Florida has done. I don't see them as a playoff caliber team. Uh, they didn't. And I really hate for Milton, which, by the way, I understand the surgery went well. He's probably going to need to have more surgery, but he was actually doing a little walking. So that's good, you know, for, for him and his spirits. And it's going to be tough. They're going to have to play hard for them. They came very, very uh, cl- close to getting beat by Memphis in the first matchup this, this season with uh, Milton so no it's 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 a tough would be a tough end of the season if they were to lose to Memphis and lose their New Year's six spot all right Chris let's get into the debate it's Ohio State it's Oklahoma and for the purposes of this debate we are assuming that both of them win in their respective championship games because obviously a loss by one of them and it makes it very easy for the committee to pick the other school but let's assume both of them win and I know and you know and we try to explain that how you look in these games matter. So for the purpose of this initial conversation, let's just say both of them look matter of fact. They take care of business, right? They both get the job done. No one looks better than the other. In my opinion, I have Oklahoma ahead of Ohio State because I look at them and I look at what they've been through this season. And people want to bring up the fact that they gave up this many points to Kansas or this many to Army, this many to this team. Oklahoma, their offense is incredible. And their loss to Texas was by a field goal in the final seconds. They avenged that loss by beating them in the Big 12 championship game on a neutral site, which, oh, by the way, happens to be in Texas. (coughs) Whereas Ohio State, granted that win over Michigan, Chris, might be the most impressive win of the season by any team. But as impressive as that blowout win was, it lessens the sour taste of that Purdue loss, but it doesn't wash it out completely. They got blown out by Purdue in what is arguably the worst loss of any top team in the country. And to me, If all things are equal in their championship games, I have Oklahoma ahead of Ohio State. Well, and that's where the committee has it right now. And I would say this, and they say, well, we look at it every week. But the reality is they've kind of spoken. 
So we have to go under some assumptions, and we do talk about how they look. Boy, Scott, never has it going to be so more important than how you look than these two games. I mean, boy, will this be dissected under a microscope unlike any games we've seen. Because I think how you look is going to determine it all. Going into it, Oklahoma's ranked ahead of Ohio State. So I would say that the onus is on Ohio State. Ohio State is going to have to blow out Northwestern Mm -hmm. because it's Northwestern, uh, not just because it's not a name brand, but Northwestern's had a decent year. The West is really down. Texas is a better opponent than Northwestern is. Uh, If this was a Wisconsin team that had one loss and was really good, um, that's a different scenario. So you're playing an opponent that you must blow out. You need to show the committee, if you're Ohio State, that, you know what? What happened against Michigan, it's finally clicked. All year long, the respect for the talent, when it's clicked, this is who they are. Because who they have been has been not what it looked like against Michigan. It looked something different. Oklahoma, they're very flawed on defense. But you're right. They are, they're ranked higher. And if they beat Texas, they avenge your only loss. I personally don't think either one or what I would call playoff worthy. But when you got four, I mean, they, they certainly would be, you know, again, you got to put somebody in. It's going to it's going to go to one of these two. And I do think it would likely be Oklahoma if it is like you say. You know, and again, it's it's hard to just just define it. You have to see it. Mm-hmm. But if it's if it is that game that, as you said, just a nondescript win, no one just stands out above the other in terms of their they're winning it. Um, then you would think it would be Oklahoma or else. Why are they not behind Ohio State now if you see them better? Because at this point, it, it almost is like Oklahoma was ranked higher. Ohio State moved way up after beating Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. They moved up a good bit. But they didn't but move above Oklahoma. Not, they didn't move above. So if you feel that way, if you're the committee. They have to do something. It's not how I'm talking. It's not, yeah. this is not me talking about mm-hmm. This is the committee. If they got it that way, if it is, and you know it's not going to be equal. The, the wins are not going to be equal. But if they are, I mean, I, I think they've spoken. I think that it's Oklahoma. I think it's the team. Um, and, and, and I do think the point of being a better Texas team – and that's the only team you lost, and it and it's not you didn't have a blowout. I think that's absolutely true. And that loss I, was a last-second field. You can't discredit yes. that. It was a no, it was, it, as, a, the, as the opposed last-minute field goal, as opposed to a blowout loss to Purdue. And, and you know There's something about no that loss, Chris. I remember watching that game and thinking to myself when Ohio State gave up that right. They they um they gave up the touchdown with about three minutes or so left, right? The long touchdown pass was like 40-something yards. Mm -hmm. And they went down 42 to 20. I remember saying that touchdown is the backbreaker, not because they didn't have a chance to come back and win the game, but because when the season was said and done and you looked back on this loss, it was going to look uglier than it actually was. And then what happened on the next ensuing Ohio State possession? Haskins throws a pick six, and now the score goes from 35-20 to 49-20. And that looks as ugly as it gets for a team trying to make it to the college football playoff. Forget about almost losing to Maryland. Forget about the near misses throughout the season. 
49 to 20 against Purdue is as ugly as it gets. If it, if that game ended 35-23, 35-27, we'd think a lot differently about this team. Well, and, you know, again, this is where I would have issue with the committee. Um, in my view, um, and again, want to see the games. Um, I think Georgia's better than both, both of them. Oh, I agree. I, no, I, I think it's have, completely unfair. I have no problem. <laughs> I have no problem. And I'd raise my hand and say, we got this wrong. Because yeah. if we're picking the four best teams, yep. Georgia is better than Oklahoma and Ohio State. And I got no problem saying it. And I apologize to the Sooner and the Buckeye fans. I, I know, it, you know, it, it, that's who looks better to me on film. I don't care who play, who gets in. It's, it's whatever it is, it is. But that's, to me, the four best. Now, Again, that's how I feel now. If 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 uh, Georgia just gets steamrolled and doesn't show, I, you know, I, I reserve them and say, you know what, they don't deserve it either. I I think that we're looking at three teams that look like and have earned a spot, and quite frankly, you you don't have any other team that really has earned it in my mind, but someone has to be given that invite. And to be honest with you, you can make, well, I think you can make a good case against Oklahoma and Ohio state, quite frankly. So I don't know. And and it's not one of those things that I sit there and say, Oh boy, that's unfair. Cause the reality is, I think the person that gets invited is going to be lucky, maybe unlucky when they play Alabama in the, in the, in the first playoff. But I think they're going to be fortunate to get in because I, I don't know that I would say that they're deserving. I mean, if you're going to have a 14 playoff, uh, do they, are they more deserving than, than, than Oklahoma, more deserving than Ohio State? Perhaps Ohio State more deserving than Oklahoma? Perhaps you can debate that. But I, I, I I'm with you. Um, and I think that's where the committee is going to go with it. I am is convinced as I am sitting here talking to you that this is how it's going to play out. It's real simple. Alabama loses. Then it's Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame, Alabama wins, Clemson wins. Uh, then, then it's going to be um, between Oklahoma and Ohio state of both win. The most impressive win will likely get them in. And I do agree with you. Oklahoma is ahead of the race. Now, Ohio state is, it's not to the finish line. It's almost and Ohio State's got to make up ground. So, uh, and I think they got to make up ground in a big time way because they're playing a lesser opponent, and they're having to be more impressive by a significant margin. And you know, Oklahoma, I think if they can just take care of business and win, I think they're in the better position to overtake Ohio State based upon how the ratings have come out tonight. You know, I know uh, Jerry's World makes a lot of money and they pay a lot of money to have the Big 12 championship game at AT&T Stadium. Part of me wants this game at the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> can, can, we, can we move it to the Cotton oh, Bowl, yeah, please? Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, that's, that's a, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, as much as a stadium needs some work, it, the Cotton Bowl is really, really nice. And uh, it, it, it is interesting, you know, to have that game again. Uh, and it is a little bit better to have that one again as opposed to a rematch from the last week and you know that we, we talked about that it was a possibility happening but no I'm excited about it I'm excited for both teams I want to see them play well I want to see Oklahoma improve on defense I want to see Ohio State play better I want to really say yeah boy I, I really like one of these teams and who knows you get in the playoffs and anything can happen but I can't sit there and jump on the table for either one I think they're flawed and uh, listen I think Georgia's flawed they they it, it's what's going to cost Georgia is not 
this game against Alabama. It's the LSU game. Because if Georgia's unbeaten, how about that? How about you want your scenario? How about that? Would If Georgia and Alabama were unbeaten, <laughs> then I'm telling you, there's, then, then at this point, we're talking – the, the playoffs are well, over. It, I mean, it's, it's yeah, just, the playoffs you know, will be over because Chris, if, if they were both undefeated, they'd be one and two. That's, they would, well, that's they'd correct. Be one and two. Not, and so, even, so a Georgia so, loss would move them yeah. probably to number three, not to three number or four. four. You know, yeah, would go. It would would like you said, go to three to keep them opposite one keep another. Out of the rematch. Yep. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. There is that much separation, but Georgia. Listen, every game counts. Played poorly against LSU. That game cost them. Um, it's just like, too, what cost Ohio State last year? Was it the blowout loss to Iowa or was it the second loss? Yeah. See, that's the key. And they couldn't blow out Wisconsin. And they couldn't blow out Wisconsin last year and they couldn't overcome Alabama. But Ohio State had two losses. So, you know, I think that that is it, too, that we look at the – it's like everybody looks at certain things and how they the resumes match up, but only if you got the same amount of losses. You know, it's mm-hmm. funny. It's like they don't look at the two loss teams and compare them to the one loss team because they had to get two losses. Well, I get that. It's simple math. However, you got to look at the who you got two losses. Who are they to? And look at the difficulty of the schedule. So again, I listen. I can't be more clear who I think the four best teams are in film, but I do think that they're going to, you know, award a conference, a one loss conference champion. And the other one's not going to be real happy yet. I don't know that it's going to be a real big argument because I, I, I just can't sit here and, and feel sorry for the big 12 or Oklahoma or the big 10 Ohio state, whoever gets left out. I really can't mm-hmm. because I look at it more like, you know, the one that gets in, you're lucky more than the one that didn't get in. You got the chef. Now I know the fan base is not going to see it that way, but I think those teams are really flawed. All right, well, let's take a look at these games, and we'll start with the two that have the major implications. Texas, Oklahoma. Oklahoma is an eight-point favorite. Obviously, that they are the favorite to win this game. Kyler Murray has been just fantastic this season. Uh, you know, he's put, giving Tua a run for his money in terms of the Heisman Trophy. Texas is back. I think it's fair that we can say that. Tom Herman's done a masterful job with this team. And this season, you know, there was the win over Oklahoma. And, and yes, that was a big emotional boost for them. The season didn't start out as great as they were hoping it would start out. The surprising loss to Maryland. Uh, but I think this Texas team is a force. I just don't see them being able to duplicate the success that they had the first time these two teams played. I think there was a little more emotion behind that matchup as opposed to there's so much on the line here with the big 10, excuse me, big 12 title. I have Oklahoma winning this game. I, I want to say that it's going to be close. I think Oklahoma though pulls away and does win by double digits. How do you see it playing out? Well, you know, Tom Herman has played the underdog role very, very well. Uh, We saw it in this first game. And so I would expect them to play well. I worry about their health at quarterback and being able to match points. I think um, their key is going to, you know, be the ground game and being able to play that game control and limit Oklahoma's offensive options and, um, um, you know, plays um, on the field. Uh, Oklahoma is the more explosive team. I do think they win it. I think that it's a it's a game in which it's a statement game. I mean, everything is at stake for them. I think they feel like if they win, 
they'll be in. Um, you know, if, if, if Alabama beats Georgia. And so I, I, don't, I don't think they focus on that. I think they focus on just, you know, beating Texas, a team that they lost to. And I think there are more explosive. And I think they do outscore Texas. Um, so I do like them as well. Um, I think this Texas team has done a really good job. They have improved, uh, but they're not quite, you know, as explosive as Oklahoma. And that might be the difference. All right, and let's go to Ohio State against Northwestern. Uh, I think Ohio State, the better team, will win this one rather easily. Uh, the weather's not going to be a factor because it's indoors inside uh, Lucas Oil. So to me, this just seems like Ohio State, don't let the uh, the emotional high of beating Michigan last week fade away now and suffer a letdown against Northwestern. Take care of your business and just hope that Oklahoma loses. Well, and, and here's the thing about Ohio State and the difficulty is because when Ohio State plays their best ball, that's your that's your fourth best team. I mean, that's the team that's better than Oklahoma when they play their best ball. But when have they done that? I mean, last week, why did they do that? Well, you know, and people because Urban Meyer prepared it. all year for Michigan. Well, when they prepare all the from, but you know, here's the thing about it, and, and people say I don't get it. You know, Michigan's not as talented as Purdue or Maryland. Well, why they they just weren't heads? It, no, it's really not that. It's style. Um, I mean, I think there is a little bit of you really get up for Michigan and you're prepared for Michigan. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But Michigan doesn't have a multiple offense. Purdue, very explosive, a lot of zone read, a lot of option looks, a lot of assignment football that Ohio State didn't do a very good job against. Maryland, similar, different offense in Purdue, but a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of things that got them misaligned and test their eye discipline, didn't do a very good job. Michigan didn't challenge Ohio State defensively. I mean, Michigan couldn't, couldn't do much. They scored some points eventually, but, you know, I, I was impressed. Now, Ohio State offensively that was the story how much they exploded on michigan's defense i think ohio state wins this game and i think they win it going away um i i can't imagine them going back to the performance that we saw in in i'm gonna go to say minnesota where they just in the first half minnesota outplayed them if they play anything less than their best, Northwestern is going to play them well. I know what Northwestern's going to give you. I know they're going to be tough. They're going to run the football. They're going to be physical. And, you know, if you make a mistake, they're going to make you pay. Michigan had to come back on them. And I think the same problem could be there for Ohio State. Um, but Ohio State, if they play their best, I think they're better than – a lot better than Northwestern. And I think they're they're as talented – Player for player, even with their injuries, they're they're more talented than Notre Dame and in or in Clemson and Alabama's class. It's just and and better than Oklahoma, but they haven't really shown it. But once this year, so who's going to show up for Ohio State? What type of game is it going to be? What Buckeye team is going to show up? And this is why I say, if they play well and explode on Northwestern. That will be the statement, and that they know that. They know inside that they've got to win and win impressively, and if they do, then it makes some football people in that committee say, well, wait a minute, maybe as it start to, it is, as it start to come together. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That That is, they will start look at that. Well, who would be 
the best opponent? Who would have the better chance? Who looks better? And and it may be, hey, body of work, Oklahoma, better team right now, Ohio State. That's what Ohio State has to do to try to convince the committee. So I would suspect that Ohio State has a really good game along the lines of the Michigan game and win big. If they don't, then it's curtains and it's Oklahoma. Interesting. Oklahoma's to win or lose. It's, it's interesting that Urban Meyer is going to have to root for Tom Herman this weekend. Yeah, no, I tell you, <laughs> makes some strange bedfellows. Yeah. That's for sure. All right, let's take a look at the other championship games, Chris. Let's uh, start with Friday, and that's the Pac-12 title game. Washington coming off uh, the victory over Washington State. They take on Utah, the game being played at Levi Stadium. Santa Clara, you got the Huskies as five-point favorites. Uh, I like Washington. I think they, they really did impress me last Last week in the snow, which kind of even things out and they were more equipped to play in that type of weather rather than Gardner Minshew and that Washington State air raid offense. I think the Huskies win this and they win the Pac-12. I think this is going to be a really good game, a physical game. I think these are the two best coach teams in the Pac-12. Um They're the most physical. I think the defenses are really sound. Um I think that, uh, you know, that was the problem and has been the problem that Washington State's had against Washington. It's the physical nature. Washington just runs the football at Washington State. And um, that's why they've, they've had success uh, in the Apple Cup since Leach has been at um, Washington State and Chris has been at Washington. Um, I like this game. I wish for these two teams they had more at stake. But certainly a trip to the Rose Bowl is big. Um, I give Washington a little bit of an edge. I think they've got a little bit more playmakers on offense, but it wouldn't surprise me if all of you, if Utah won. I think this is a really, really good game. I tell you though, mm-hmm. this is I'm going to be I'm going to be disappointed. It, it's going to tick me off, and 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 you're going to watch it out there, and it's going to be a half-empty stadium, and this 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 really starts to bother me because I don't know quite what they're doing. Okay, and, and I get it. Um, that game's going to start at five o'clock Santa Clara time. Yep. I mean, I, you know, it's the Pac-12. <laughs> It's a Friday. Larry Scott gets it's a Friday Larry at five Scott. And well, that's what I'm talking about. It's five o'clock on a Friday. Um, I don't know. Larry Scott, I mean, he gets paid more money than any head coach in the Pac twelve. And administratively, I, no one screwed up. I mean, that that's a league that just it doesn't get it. And to me, that should be at a different time slot. Um, anyway, it's it's gonna be a bad look to have a half empty stadium. And it just, it's, you know, these, these conference championship games, except for the SEC, just, boy, they just, they, they, they don't live up in terms of the excitement and the, the support. Now the SEC, I mean, the SEC championship game is bigger than the semifinals in, in, in the playoffs, <laughs> it, but you know, I, that, that's going to just rankle me when I watch that and see the lethargic atmosphere, particularly since not much is at stake in terms of national prominence in this game. Are they going to move that title game to the new stadium in L.A. when it's built? Oh, they'll be in the mix. They'll they be. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll be. Yeah. It'll be in the mix in a bid. And you know, um, I think that uh, you, they've got obviously 
a couple of options, but the one they have there is is a really good option. It's 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 pretty it's a pretty good location. If yeah, you because you got Oregon, it. you got the Washington schools and Utah. So yeah, you Northern got, California it, it, is right there. It, yeah. It's, it splits the difference between the North and the South teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a good venue. Uh, but again, it, it's just, you know, college football in that market, it, it's not as big. And, and they just don't support it like they do in other parts. And particularly when you have teams that are not competing at a national level, um, competing for a playoff spot, it, it, it has an effect. So, yeah, I, I think that there might be a possibility of rotated, but, but I think they like the spot that they got it mm-hmm. right now. It's just where can they go to fill up the stadium? And I don't think that's really the answer. I don't think it's where necessarily they can, where, in where they can go is the new Raiders stadium in, in Vegas. That's where they can go and fill that place up. Uh, well, yeah, for some people, <laughs> some people may fill it up. It may be, and that may be a, a you know, about, of course, that's I'm sure, a, I'm sure the talk, Mountain you, West will think about that too. You you sure you sure about uh, now? You know, again, who's going to? If you put it in Vegas, that's that's a decent little little hall for any fan base in the in the Pac-12, mm-hmm. though. But they would let you right. They would put uh, at least uh, neutral fans that would like to go to the game. That's Absolutely. Sure. Let's gloss over the ACC title game. And again, I'm not trying to disrespect Pittsburgh, but there's a reason why Clemson's a 26, 27 point favorite because they are overwhelmingly expected to win this game. The the game that I wanted to focus on, Chris, is the one that I think might be the most underrated and underappreciated game of the weekend, and that's the Mountain West title game. Fresno Mm -hmm. State against Boise State. We talked about it earlier. If UCF loses to Memphis, that game is for the Fiesta Bowl, and we know Boise State's history with the Fiesta Bowl, but that is as close of a game as entertaining as a game i think this is the most underrated game of the weekend well it is and these two teams have had good seasons and all the focus has been on central florida because they they talk the most and and they've been unbeaten so they deserve it i don't mean that but boise and fresno is every bit as good as central florida i I can tell you that like the quarterbacks in this game i like the running games in this game i like the run defense in this game i love the coaches in this game these are two outstanding coaches these are two really good teams and and i'm excited for folks to get a chance to watch it it's um, it's going to be up against Clemson Pitt and up against Northwestern Ohio State. Uh, but I, I am with you. I think it's a very underrated game and a lot's at stake in terms of a, of a, a New Year's Six Bowl game. And for those fans who are not familiar, um, I believe the quarterback for Boise State, Brett Rippon, is mm-hmm. related to former um, uh, he's his, the nephew. Yes, he's the nephew of Mark Rippon, mm-hmm. of course, Correct. the uh, two-time Super Bowl champion quarterback with the Washington Redskins. So, yeah, he's been outstanding. He's been there, there a while, and he's done a good job. Brett has done a really good job. So it's um, no, this is these teams are really good. They're very physical, very well coached, and uh, I've I've enjoyed watching both of them this year. Um, you know, along with Utah State, Th- those teams were really good this year that didn't get a, nearly the attention of Central Florida, would, but were every bit as good. All right, Chris, you mentioned coaching. So let's get into the coaching news in mm-hmm. in Chapel Hill. It's return of the Mac. Mac Brown is going to be the head coach at North Carolina. Of course, coached the Tar Heels from 88 to 97 prior to his tenure at Texas. Why did North Carolina decide to go? And, and I apologize for the negative connotation on this on this term, but go with a retread. 
Well, it's a good question. I think there are a couple of ways that you can go with it. And certainly my recommendation was, was a little different in terms of where I thought would be a good fit in terms of a good young coach that, um, that I think could build a program and, and, and kind of build you a great future. I think what's happening in today's world with athletic directors, they're getting a little gun shy. Um, they're getting, they're a little bit nervous about taking a chance on a guy and it doesn't work out. And, and they tend to go to their comfort zone. Um, like, you know, Kansas with less miles. Well, they didn't have a lot of options. Some young, young guys that they tried to pursue didn't work out and they knew less wanted the job. I think in this case with Mac, because he's been there before, I think they, they feel like he can kind of bring, some positive vibes to the program that's had a lot of problems in the athletic department, you know, uh, just football, basketball, you know, academics. Mac is the ultimate salesman, uh, ultimate CEO. I think it will really depend on who he hires as coordinators. I'm hearing Gene Chizik might be in line to come mm-hmm. as defensive coordinator. We'll see. He'll go out and he'll hire a big name offensive coordinator. They're going to pay him 3.5. So it, it's not a ton of money so that they could put money into uh, assistance. Uh, that's what I think Mac is going to be there to do to kind of sell the program back. Mac built that program in, in modern day time. He, he put that, he, he got that fundraising together for that football facility that's attached to Keenan stadium a long time ago that rivaled, uh, before all everybody started the Taj Mahals, he had a, what I would call an SEC like football operation center at North Carolina that was better than Clemson at the time, better than anybody. So he can do that part of it, sell it. Now, um, I think putting the right staff together, potentially not naming it head coach in waiting, but have somebody that he could potentially uh, hand the baton off to in three or four years might make some sense. Um, I, I, I can't – I'm not going to be overly excited. I'm a friend of Max. I like him. I, I don't know that he's the answer to turn him around, but but I think he – the other thing that he did exceedingly well, Scott, is he had the high school coaches in the fertile – you know, ground of North Carolina eating out of his hand. He is great with that. I mean, he's got a way to make everybody feel like they're the most important person in the room. I think he'll bring that back. So, I, listen, I guess I'm hopeful that it's going to work out, that you know, he can have an input and in bring in a lot of positive vibes to the program. And then, you know, but is it long-term fix? No, but um, I think it may be something that that might work. Um and I'm hopeful that it does. But, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. I want to see who they can hire on the staff. I thought it was great. The, the quote he said, his wife said, you can coach three places, uh, Hawaii, the Bahamas or Chapel Hill. <laughs> Those are the yeah, they've jobs. got a they've got a place in the hills. They've got a home in the in the hills of North Carolina. She's from that area, too. So she, it's she loves it. Yeah, they, they love it. And, and um, so it's a great situation for him. You know, he's he's been sitting on some Texas money for a while. And so now he gets to go and he gets to hit the lottery again and, you know, hit the slot machine again. (laughs) So it's great for him. I hope it's, it's, it's great for North Carolina. And then of course we've got, I know you've got a few other openings, but just some updates. Louisville has made an offer to Jeff Brom 
and they should have an announcement or should have a word from him definitively by Wednesday. Uh, maybe by the time you're, you're getting a chance to listen to this, he will have made a decision. They're, they need an answer quickly. They're ready to move on if he's not willing to take it. Um, Colorado still vetting some candidates and they're in, into the process. process. And, of course, uh, I know you want to talk about um, Cliff Kingsbury being out at Texas Tech as well. Exactly. And to me, I think – if it hasn't happened already, Chris, and I'm sure it has, and you would know more than me, his phone has got to be ringing off the hook from NFL executives that want to bring him in to be an offensive coordinator for their franchise. I think an NFL team would look very smart considering what we've seen with guys like Sean McVay and and what Andy Reid is doing, what Matt Nagy brought to the Chiefs, and now what he's done with the Bears. College offenses are infusing their way into the NFL. I think an NFL GM would be very wise to hire Cliff Kingsbury to run their offense. I think he's got some real qualities. I don't I don't see him as quite the Sean McVay type of guy personally. I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a you know one of those offensive savants, but I think he's really good and I think he'd have tremendous value in some way, shape or form on a staff in the NFL, perhaps um, if I know there would be people that would be interested in him as a coordinator um, in college where he wants to go at this point. Not sure. Uh, I'm sure that would be somebody that would be the type of guy that Mac Brown would like to hire as offense coordinator in North Carolina and put him and Gene Chizik together. I, I think he would, but I do agree with you that I think he'll have opportunities in the NFL uh, to make that move. And it's going to be interesting to see what Texas tech, does i do know they really would like their make a run at dana hogerson um i don't know that dana is going to leave west virginia dana's name has come up for colorado and texas tech i think what he's doing is playing the leverage game to get a little bit more uh for his staff in the infrastructure there at west virginia but i think um You know, I think that the tech job, keep an eye out of Jim Levitt, uh, who's uh, uh, done a really good job everywhere he's been. When he was at Colorado's defense coordinator, he's a candidate there. Of course, he's at uh, at Oregon, has done a really good job. Matt Wells, Todd Graham is another guy with Texas recruiting roots, uh, coached at Arizona State's a a possibility. Dave Aranda has also been mentioned. So um, we'll see some USC, obviously, you know, um, I know you want to get into that as well. They we talked about it on LandryFootball.com that Len Swan was adamant he was going to bring Clay Halton back and it was just a matter of could the boosters and certain influential people in the administration can convince them to do otherwise. Um, Len won out on that, uh, but they are doing a major house cleaning on their staff. Yeah, well, T. Martin's out the door and um, we'll see where he ends up. Uh, maybe he gets a coordinator job somewhere else or a quarterback coaching job somewhere else. Here's my prediction. You ready? And, yes, and I'm, I'm completely making this up, but I am uh, I'm just throwing this out there. Mike Loxley gets the head coaching job at Maryland and Nick mm-hmm. Saban hires Cliff Kingsbury to be his O.C. Well, uh, I can tell you that Maryland's top choice is Loxley. There's no question about that. Uh, they want to speak with him. We'll likely get permission to speak with him after the conference championship game Saturday. Um, so uh, Mike is from Washington, D.C., was an assistant at Maryland. Great job recruiting in that area. So I think it's his job to lose. If he if he wants it, I think he can get that job. Um, where the, I think the offensive coordinator at Alabama to replace Mike Loxley is already on the staff. It's Dan Enos. Now, okay. Makes sense. Uh, but, you know, it does not mean 
that, you know, that, that, you know, that, that in some way, and again, I think Cliff will have some opportunities being a coordinator. Uh, Dan has done is the guy that's really responsible for like improving Jalen Hurts passing game. And, and certainly it's had a, a positive influence on Tua. So I think that's where they're going to go. Um, at least where Nick would go. Now, Dan could be a candidate to, you know, to move somewhere else. Like, for example, Tennessee, who t- lost Tyson Helton. They weren't going to bring him back anyway. Tyson Helton, Clay Helton's brother, is now the new head coach at Western Kentucky. So I, I really believe that Dan Enos would get the quick promotion up to offensive coordinator at Alabama. But I can tell you that Cliff Kingsbury is the type of guy that Nick would like to bring in on his staff. You know, he wanted to bring in you Freeze last year as a consultant. Um, but the the league wouldn't wouldn't didn't take a shine to that. So um, the SEC that is. So uh, yeah, I think that that is definitely in. Uh, you you definitely thinking along the lines of where where Nick likes to bring in guys like that, <laughs> and there'll be somebody like that will come in because that's the thing that Nick does really well. When he loses a coordinator, I mean, he lost seven coaches last year. <laughs> so he's got he's got the coach. He knows he's going to lose them. Yes. So what he is, prepared. hey, we make yep. we make a lot of money, and so they've got co coordinators. Mm-hmm. They've got you know they they. I mean, there, there's look. They've got Oklahoma may try to convince Pete Golding, the co defensive coordinator. <laughs> At Alabama to take the head job there. So Nick always has he has either co-coordinators or he has somebody under him that's that's the next guy ready to go up because he knows that it's not a matter of if he's going to lose an assistant. He's going to lose, you know, every year four or five of them because that's that's where people come to 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 cherry pick and get the next guy. Yeah, and we've seen in recent years where, you know, he knew that he was going to lose Lane Kiffin. He brought in Sarkeesian as a consultant, right. and then Sarkeesian slides in and becomes the offensive coordinator for a year. And, so, and that's what that's what Dan Enos is. That Dan exactly. Enos was a, a candidate uh, for the Kansas job and, and is just holding tight because he's he's kind of the next guy there. And so that's what they'll that's what they'll do and, and kind of kind of, you know, play that along each and every year. He's figured that out um, because no one loses coaches at the rate that he does. Well, Chris, it's going to be an exciting championship weekend. And then next week, you want to make sure that you download this podcast, Rush the Field. You want to make sure that you're locked into LandryFootball.com because we will have the college football playoff covered from head to toe. We will debate. We will argue. We will break it down better than nobody else. And Go to LandryFootball.com. I say it every week because you got to do it. You got to learn what NFL teams and college programs already know by joining LandryFootball.com today. And now you get an even greater holiday discount. It's the perfect holiday gift for you or your loved one that gives all year long. You don't just have access to the holidays. You have access the whole year. Film room analysis on the college games, the NFL games. You get recruiting, the draft, free agency, all the inside information on the coaching news from the colleges and the NFL teams that Chris Landry works with on a daily basis. It's less than a magazine subscription. And now even with an even greater holiday discount, all you have to do is tell them where you heard about it. You heard about it right here on rush the field. Chris, this is going to be the weekend. Buckle up, brother. We are going to be locked in to everything that you got going on at LandryFootball.com. 
Yeah, we do. We, like I said, we'll be reacting to all of that and all the other bowl matchups that are going to be the uh, out there. So uh, and we're giving everybody the update on all the coaching search stuff on LandryFootball.com. So check it out. Uh, that's why the membership is such a good value, less than a magazine subscription. You can have your access to your own uh, coaching and scouting department. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at LandryFootball as well. Yep, follow me on Twitter at Scott's On Air. This is Rush the Field, which can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com. Talk to you next week, Chris. You bet, Scott. Thank you so much. This is a sitting ringside with David Penzer. Quick Fix on Radio Influence. I guess this week is longtime pro wrestling torch senior columnist Bruce Mitchell. Arn Anderson is the one guy in the wrestling business um, that the one who has kept a job in a major promotion, you know, since uh, and it depends on what you think of t- continental wrestling. And maybe you can say that was a major promotion, but since he walked in the door in Jim Crockett promotions and started feuding with, with that, with that fedora, you know, and the, and the New York Yankees hat, like what the guy's doing, you know, like perfect heat in the, you know, in the South, you know, the Yan- New York Yankees, but s- from that time in 1985, 84, 85, all the way to 2018 continuously has had a job. Like he hasn't had a, you know, he hasn't had a, a six month break or um, a time where he was just collecting, um, you know, collecting guaranteed money or anything like that. He has always worked in the professional wrestling business and, you know, and it is up on everything today. And, you know, you know, as, as, a, as a, you know, as a producer in WWE. So, you know, he's, that's a smart guy. And, you know, we always kind of look at that, like, Arn, you know, like Arn's our guy. To see him, it was a year ago this weekend that he um, came out and gave one of the um, uh, one of the revival guys, and I know they were thrilled. I think it was Scott Dawson, um, a um, spinebuster, and when they did the Starcade show at the Greensboro Coliseum that Saturday night, and I, and I and I was like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm seeing this. This is like, you know, I, I about had tears in my eyes because we we had we loved Arn and we had so much respect and still do and had so much respect for him. Sitting ringside with David Penzer can be found on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.